Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. We are talking about week one. We have a game played. We've made it. We, we all did it. Uh, but before we get to slapping ourselves on the back and breaking our arms doing so, uh, it is time to introduce ourselves. I am Chip Brown, and I'm joined by our fearless leader at Horns 24-7, the managing editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? You know what, Chip? I'm good. We had college football. We had Big 12 football. It wasn't pretty, but we did have some uh, Big 12 football games and more to come. So it's hard to complain right now when this whole offseason, I feel like we've been just praying and willing this season to come. It's finally here. So I'm great. How about you? Hey, you're right about that. Some teams in the Big 12 played football. Even those who were playing football didn't play football. We'll get to that. But Texas... Texas and Oklahoma looked good. We'll, we'll get to some interesting things uh, regarding EF, ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index, after one game and where Texas and OU sit in their rankings in terms of their chances of winning the Big 12. But I'll tell you what, Taylor, obviously the first thing that jumps off the, the page for Texas in their opening 59-3 win over UTEP was just how quickly the offense got into sync, into rhythm with Mike Yersich calling the plays, Sam Ellinger, the four-year starter at quarterback. I mean, you can't do any better than a 78-yard touchdown pass on the opening offensive play. Mm -hmm. And they scored on seven of their eight possessions in the first half. And the only time, the only possession they didn't score was a missed uh, Dicker the kicker field goal. So every other possession in the first half, they did score right. six touchdowns, one field goal. And you can't get any better than that in terms of, you know, performance by your offense. Yeah, no doubt about it, Chip. I mean, Sam Ellinger, you know, let, let's first put this into perspective. You know, UTEP was probably one of the worst FBF teams in college football last year. Under Dana Dimmel, they've struggled. I believe they're 2-33 and 33 or 2-34. and 3-23 and 23 in year three under Dana Dimmel. Yeah, and so in the last three years have been, you know, struggling uh, as a whole. So, 
you have to put it into perspective. I've been trying to tell people temper your expectations because let's look at the opponents. However, you know, 424 passing yards by Sam Ellinger in the first half alone, uh, five passing touchdowns. He spread the ball out to a number of receivers throughout the game. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed, I was watching, um, you know, Sam Ellinger, this has been a weird offseason, as we know. However, he's one of the few senior, you know, four-year starters returning in college football this year at the same university, at least. And uh, I feel like we've seen Sam Ellinger in previous week one openers have a little bit, you know, of some rust that he had to shake off. If you ask Sam, he'd say that he wasn't, you know, there's some plays that he left on the field that he wished he could get back. However, Chip, I was really impressed just by his overall body of work. I felt like he did a really, really good job of going through his read progressions, you know, when when he was getting pressure, which wasn't a ton, but when, you know, w- as we all know, his biggest knock has been when the pocket has collapsed or it looks like it's going to be collapsing on him, he runs. And I don't think we saw that very much. And I think a win for Texas offense in general is seeing that maturity. I feel like we see it a lot more. We saw it a lot more in this week one opener than we did even last season uh, when Texas opened against Louisiana Tech. So I thought that was a big, you know, a key takeaway for the Texas offense and a big kudos to both Sam Ellinger and Mike, Mike Yersich with, you know, Mike having to really help him a lot virtually throughout the off season. So, you know, it was, it was good to see that. Yeah, he had a he had the third best passing performance in school history by halftime, and he actually went backward on that total because the one pass he threw in the third quarter went for minus three yards. So he ended up uh, with 426 yards instead of 429, right. but that was good enough to replace Chris Sims. And Chris Sims' finest day is a Longhorn, in my opinion, when he went up to Nebraska in 2002 and threw a ton of passes to Roy Williams and even had uh, turned like fullback Ivan Williams into a 100-yard receiver in that game. And so Sam Ellinger now only behind Major Applewhite's school record 473 yards passing in the Holiday Bowl win over Washington in 01. And Colt McCoy and his 419, or excuse me, 470 yards. Major was 473. Colt was 470 in a win over Central Florida in 2009. That was that was the game that Jordan Shipley set the single season or single game school record with uh, 257 yards receiving or whatever it was. So um, that's how efficient Sam Ellinger was. At one point, Taylor, he was 20 of 27 passing, and 13 of those passes were for 10 yards or longer. And so we had a chance to talk to Josh Moore, who caught that first touchdown pass of the game on the first offensive play for 78 yards. And when I asked him about Mike Yersich in this offense, he's like, oh, man, we're chucking it downfield. I love this. Right. I'm, a, I'm the burner. I'm the guy that takes the top off the defense. And, and they were. I mean, like I said, 13 of his first 20 completions were for 10 yards or more. And it was to everybody, Taylor. I mean, it was, you know, the first possession, it was Josh Moore. Then it was Tariq Black. Then it was Cade Brewer. Then it was um, uh, Brendan Schooler. Then it was, you know, Tariq Black again. But the Kai Money 
Kai Money. Kai Money. Kai Money. <laughs> the walk-on who Tom Herman was like, this is, this is like your stripper name, right? Kai Money, it's not, <laughs> this isn't real. And it's real. Mm-hmm. And he hugged everybody on the sideline. It was like he hugged Herman. Mm-hmm. I mean, forget your mask and your, and your yeah. sideline. Social distancing. <laughs> right. time to hug it out. Kai right. Money said so. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I believe that that was the first touchdown by a walk-on in uh, for Texas since 2005 was Kai Money's uh, touchdown reception there against UTEP. And um, I mean, does he have one of the best? I, I can't. I think the coldest Crawford still has the best name in college football, but Kai Money. He's he's definitely going toe to toe with Decoldis, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and uh, UTSA has a running back named Sincere. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. First name. So there's some good names, but Kai Money. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that in terms of being a receiver and getting in the end zone. Girls were tweeting at him all night after the game. That was poor the guy. I was cracking up. I saw one Texas student. You know, she said essentially said, "If your name is Kai and you just scored a touchdown." And you're, what number is he, 83? Is that his number? 83. Yeah, and you're number 83. I'm single and I'm free every single night this week. Yeah. (laughs) This poor guy, I mean, here he is. He's getting all the girls and it's COVID. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah. So he's just got to sit at home and, you know, look at highlights of his touchdown, I guess. But Taylor, uh, the offense, you know, the running game was a little sluggish early. It got going late. I'm not, I'm going to wait and see on the running game a little bit, but I liked the way the offensive line, I was looking at the right side, the new starters over there, Denzel Okafor and Christian Jones, and they did a good job in pass protection. Sam was pretty well protected uh, throughout this game. Again, it's UTEP. I get it, but early, you know, you just don't want to look bad and Texas did what they were supposed to do against a 40, you know, a team that they're favored to beat by 43. They, they looked dominant and they, they, they played well and were dominant. So, Um, defensively, I know you're going to talk about your man, Josh Thompson, because I thought he was outstanding and I thought the pass coverage downfield was outstanding, but they controlled UTEP's running game. I mean, my goodness, 0.7 yards per carry. And, uh, that was in the first half when they held him to 16 carries for 11 yards. And then for the game, uh, they held him to one point three yards per carry. So you'll take that. I mean, anytime you're making a team one dimensional, that's, uh, that's the goal right there. Absolutely. Any, any defensive coach you ever talk to is you got to take away one part of the, the off your, your opponent's offense. And Texas was successful for that. You know, I think some Texas fans probably watched the game and were expecting more, um, you know, stats racking up on the defensive line. There was two sacks, both by freshman, a redshirt freshman and Marcus Tillman, and then a true freshman and Alfred Collins. Um, and so I think see. that that could be something that some fans take away. Like, why wasn't there more sacks? Why weren't there more tackles for loss? But, you know, I do, I do think that, I, I mean, as I've been joking around, I'm the driver of Josh Thompson's, the, you know, the bus for Josh Thompson. I felt like he had an opportunity last season to really be a dominant player for the Texas secondary. He's the guy you want on the field, you know, a true selfless player has played all across the secondary, but unfortunately, you know, went down against Oklahoma state last season. The good news for him is he got a redshirt year. Now, if he keeps playing the way he played 
um, in the season opener, I'm not sure that he will need to come back for a redshirt senior season because of how I thought he played lights out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that the secondary looked good. Um, I thought that the pass coverage was good too. And, you know, Josh Thompson, um, he got some, a gruesome ear injury. Now, I don't know if you, if any of our listeners have seen some of the pictures that were posted on different social media accounts. If you have a weak stomach, I would suggest not looking for these pictures. Um, but we got a picture of that. Uh, and I sent it to our staff group text at Horns 24-7 and had to send a warning like, do you guys want to see this? And I put like the graphic warning for a graphic image about to follow. But, you know, hopefully, you know, that was a freak injury. Hopefully his ear is healed in time for Texas Tech. But solid start definitely for Chris Ash's secondary. Yeah. And look, Josh Thompson stood out to Chris Ash early, as did my guy, Chris Brown, mm-hmm. who continues to you know be rock solid and you know he and Caden Stearns the starting safeties and we'll get into the BJ Foster drama uh, a little bit later in love it or leave it he is back uh, with the team and we'll we'll get into that but look Texas has recruited well they're loaded at safety they're loaded at corner they've got depth on the defensive line I mean we we interviewed Keandre Coburn today and he said I think Tavondre Sweat is our best pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Tavondre Sweat is a backup nose tackle at Texas. And I've said on this flagship podcast, I'll say it a thousand times more. I talk to NFL people who love Tavondre Sweat more than anyone else on that defensive line. Now, they're going to they're going to fall in love with Alfred Collins pretty quickly, but right. uh, Tavondre Sweat is a load and I can't wait to see him get more snaps. And I love Keandre Coburn, but this is what it takes. I mean, why is Alabama and Clemson constantly in the college football playoff? It's because of guys like, you know, Christian Wilkins and DJ Reader at, at Clemson and Deron Payne and, and Quinnen Williams at Alabama, these monstrous defensive tackles who are going in the first round of the NFL draft. Look, you got to have great quarterback play, there's no doubt, but then you got to have great interior defensive linemen to be able to stop the run and rush the passer with right. four and Texas is starting to move in that direction. And that's, as I've said, it's the reason I'm picking Texas to win the big 12 this year. So uh, it was week one, but Taylor, there, there was some interesting stuff that, that came out of this game. And I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, you know, and, and, but, uh, this ESPN FPI, this football power index just cracks me up. And let's just say there's some people getting excited about the Longhorns and, and, and their potential after one game. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm going to just keep saying, let's temper the expectations. Now I feel like Chip, you and I have to say things like that since we do work for a um, you know, website that has a message board community. So it's kind of our job to be very cautious and, you know, not pumping up a team too high or not being too down on a team after a first game. Uh, but it seems like the public is is buying into what Texas is selling. Now, um, you know, let, let's see how Texas plays against Texas Tech. And I know that Texas Tech, you know, struggled some against Houston Baptist. They were outscored, Ooh. I believe, what, 20, uh, what was it, 23 to 14 in the second half of the game um, needed some. Yeah, by a quarterback named Bailey Zappi. <laughs> and by uh, Caden Stern's twin brother and younger brother. 
Yeah. Uh, Jareth Stearns and Josh Stearns, who mm-hmm. absolutely, t- they're receivers who torched Texas Tech. Yeah. So, but let's, let's wait to see what the body of work looks like against conference opponents. Um, but I mean, I, it's hard, I think, for any Texas fan to walk out of watching that week one opener and having much negative to say. Now, one thing, Chip, that we need to hit on here is, uh, is one negative, obviously, the injury to uh, redshirt Jordan freshman Whittington. wide receiver, yes, Jordan Whittington. And he's going to be out, you know, Tom Herman said at his Monday press conference after uh, the game that he had a partial tear, I believe it was, in his meniscus. He's going to be out probably three to four weeks. And that's already a position, you know, Jake Smith didn't play. He was sidelined. Now he may have been ready to go, but they didn't want to push it. You know, that, that slot receiver position for Texas has been the money position for the offense the last two years with, you know, Devin Duvernay lining up uh, predominantly in the slot, uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Humphrey, you know, lining up predominantly in the slot the last two seasons, them being the two leading receivers for Texas, uh, both of those years. So that's going to probably be the only thing I think Texas fans could come away with a big concern from this game. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, so it, that's a double-edged sword right there. You could say, wow, that's right. Jake Smith didn't even play in this game and they torched, you know, everyone in the passing game was so unbelievable. And, and now you're going to, you're going to need Jake Smith to be back from that hamstring injury and you've got three weeks. Don't push it. I mean, he didn't play against UTEP. You've got the off week this week and then game week for Texas Tech on the 26th. So just be smart. Get your get your guys back healthy. But, man, it sure looks like Josh Moore, who was suspended last year, we talked to him today, and he talked about how excited and thankful he is that Tom Herman didn't give up on him, that Sam Ellinger was always in his ear uh, talking about something positive, trying to get him to keep the faith. And he's still got that 4-4 speed. We, we can tell that. Mm-hmm. And Tariq Black looks like a guy who can help, and so does Brendan Schooler. My God, Schooler been on campus a week. Right. His, his brother, tr- who transferred to Tech, didn't even play in the Houston Baptist game, I guess because he wasn't quite ready. Well, Brendan Schooler, good heavens. He's already got a touchdown. He's got stuff. Nice stiff arm, too, by the way, on that 40-yard touchdown catch and run. So he's tough. He's a tough kid. He used to play safety. Yeah. So they got guys who can help. Tom Herman's record of bringing in grad transfers who can help is still unblemished. Every grad transfer he's brought in has had an impact, and both of those grad transfers got in the painted area on Saturday against UTEP. And and. The running game, like I said, we'll wait and see. They were very vanilla. They didn't motion. They weren't running any counters or traps or anything. It was pretty much inside-outside zone, and that's vanilla as can be. So I'm excited to see what Yersich and and the gang put together in terms of a real running game as we as we progress. But they, the reason they wanted to throw it all over the place, Taylor, is they want those safeties back and they want room to run when they get to Lubbock. And by throwing it deep over and over and over again, they're telling defenses, we can do this, so you have to respect it. And when you play two high safeties, that's a light box. That's open season for Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson and, and Bajan Robinson, all of whom had their moments. Unfortunately, Rashawn Johnson's best run was called back. 
mm-hmm. but all of them had their moments. I think the running game will get better. And the best thing about the running game was Sam Ellinger only running three times for 12 yards, one of them a third down conversion. Last year, I went back and looked at it in the opener. He ran eight times for 40 yards. He had a six, He had a sack in there. He doesn't need to be running it 164 and 163 times like he did each of the past two years. He needs to be, it needs to be way down closer to like 120 because I'm sure they'll still use him in short yardage and goal line. That's a Herman trademark, but they don't need him up there over 150. No, no, not at all. And, and you know, and I think that you saw, you know, kind of as I mentioned a little bit earlier, just he, I, that was what I saw different from, from Sam. Like, you know, it's, and again, UTEP, I get it, but still he has almost instinctually run whenever he's felt a lot of pressure and not stuck in the pocket and gone through his read progressions. And I think that's, that's big. Um, you know, you don't want your best, let, let's just call a spade a spade here. It's not going to help Texas if Sam Ellinger runs the ball and gets hit and knocked out of the game. It's going to hurt them more so than anything he can do on the ground with his legs is going to help them, in my opinion. So I think that that's a good sign that he only rushed, what, three times, like you said, and um, still put up 424 yards in that first, uh, passing yards in that first half. I mean, that was, you know, a lot of people gave, what's talking about Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma and how, you know, he he played a really solid game against Missouri State in that uh, beating that, they put down on them. I think what was the final score? Forty-eight nothing. Um, Forty-eight nothing. He was fourteen of seventeen passing four touchdown passes. Yes, but you know he had two hundred and ninety yards compared to Sam's four hundred and twenty-four in the first half. So I mean that's something you know Texas fans should definitely be pleased to see Sam Ellinger staying in the pocket, connecting with multiple receivers, not just one guy that people can try to ice. You know that teams can probably try to double team and. You know, they have a bevy of weapons at receiver. It's been a question um, leading into the season just because a lot of the inexperience at the position. However, I do think that um, Texas has recruited well at the receiver position over the years. We just haven't really had the opportunity to see a lot of the guys really step up in prime time. And having Joshua Moore back, as you mentioned, you know, he was suspended for uh, the entire 2019 season. He got a redshirt year out of it. And, you know, he was a, what was he, a high four-star prospect coming into Texas. So, you know, I think that this is a, a very positive sign with tempered expectations, but a positive sign and a well, positive start for Texas. And I want to take up for Casey Thompson for a second because Casey had, look, he stayed in the pocket. He threw a nice ball. He had a couple of drops from Marcus Washington and Brendan Schooler, but his touchdown pass to Marcus Washington um, and he threw a nice pass to Brennan Eagles, who was under blanket coverage. He threw yeah. it the one place Brennan could get it. Right. That was and Brennan great. made a great catch. I mean, it was a one-handed catch. And and Casey didn't run. He didn't cut and run. He was in the pocket throwing, uh, you know, touchdown passes. I've said that Casey's better than people think. And I thought he got to showcase his talents in that game. And and uh, I, I think Texas is going to be okay next year, no matter what's going on. So, Taylor, I, is it time to get into Love It or Leave It? Because I know we got some meaty ones this week. All I have to say, Chip, is five stars. That's what we're asking for. Head on over to iTunes after you finish our episode of the flagship podcast. Please give us a five-star rating and review. And we'll even read it live on the show. 
Uh, But before we get into everybody's favorite segment, Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a very short break. But you definitely want to stick around because we are going to cover everything from B.J. Foster walking off the field mid-game, Jordan Whittington's injury, and what the heck happened in the Big 12 Conference in the first games of the season. So stay tuned. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. So we do have some meaty love it or leave it topics, but Chip, before we get there, I have to say, uh, you know, we last week on our podcast, we asked people to go over to the iTunes page. Please help us get to 500 re- uh, ratings and reviews over there. We're at 497 as of the recording date of this. However, we got some uh, some love over there. So I wanted to give a shout out to some of our listeners who did uh, help us out by doing so. Uh, so I'm going to read these off to you real quick. I haven't read these to Chip yet. So these are going to be some of the first ones that he hears. But uh, the awesome. first one's from Noodle Carl. He said... Noodle. Uh, Awesome chemistry between Chip and Taylor. Look forward to the new shows each week. So awesome! Thank you. Appreciate you, Noodle. Uh, there's a a listener, Eric's favorites. He said, "I think Taylor and Chip have a great rapport. I really like the fact that the podcasts are now available on Monday and Wednesday. Keep up the great work." Now, Eric, I'm going to say this here. Um, I'm assuming your name is Eric because <laughs> it's Eric's favorites was the name on the review. Uh, We're going to have a little bit of a change in our schedule moving forward with it being football season. You know, we've been doing our interviews on Mondays. Just to be frank, it's sometimes, you know, in football season, it's hard to get people that cover college football uh, working on a Sunday and recording, you know, those interviews. And we want to make sure that we get the best possible guests on our interviews. So uh, this week we did have Dan Neal on Monday's uh, interview episode. If you haven't listened to it, definitely check it out. Former Texas All-American, two-time Super Bowl champion. He weighed in on what he saw from Texas. But moving forward, our interview episode starting next week is actually going to air on Thursdays. So the flagship will be on Wednesdays with me and Chip. And then Thursdays will be our interview. So just a little tiny scheduling tweak. But this will keep you, you know, all of leading up to game week. You're going to get a lot of media interviews, a lot of uh, pregame analysis from various guests. So I look forward to that. And who knows, maybe even some weeks we'll double up. We'll give you one Monday. We'll give you one Wednesday. We'll give you one Thursday. Yes. I mean, you know, we got a lot to say. Yes. And we'll always have Wednesday. This, this show is always going to be our Wednesday show. Um, you know, it's a great spot for it. So we appreciate all of our listeners that have stuck with us through this. Um, and then one other one here, Chip, it's from WarDaddy75. Love the show, guys. Hook them. So thank you for that one. Thanks, this- WarDaddy. 
So this is from, this one's more directed towards you a little bit, Chip. So Hib Kid said, lifetime Longhorn fan from all the way over in New Jersey. Like Chip, I was supposed to be down in Baton Rouge for my birthday for the UTLSU game. Was at the game last year and was hoping for some revenge. Anyway, love you guys. The Blitz and State of Recruiting. Keep it up. Hoping for a little shout out. LOL. Best. Well, Hib Kid. Hib Kid. Happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> and I know uh, Chip was Chip, how was your birthday? I've, I haven't asked you on the show you yet. Know what? yet. It was great. It was great. It was not Baton Rouge. I could be bitter. <laughs> there was no moonshine, but it was still great. I'm happy to be here and this crazy mad dog 2020. So uh, thanks, Hib Kid, and and we're here for you. We yeah. are here for you. And we still need folks to go over to iTunes and get us over the top. We need three more. 500. (laughs) 500. Three more reviews on iTunes, five-star rating, and boom, our bosses will be like, oh my gosh, look at this flagship podcast, 500 reviews already. Yes. And I want to thank all of our listeners too for joining in, tuning in each week. Um, You know, with Longhorn Blitz Tuesdays, Flagship Wednesday, flagship interview going to be Thursday moving forward, State of Recruiting Friday. We hope that we are covering all of your podcast needs. Uh, so we do appreciate everybody for, uh, you know, staying true to us, keeping the faith like Chip likes to say. And, yeah. uh, you know, with that, Chip, I think we're ready to go into Love It or Leave It. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. We got some, uh, we got some meaty Love It or Leave It's this week, I think. Yes, we do. All right. So I'm going to start off with some Texas topics first before we get into some more college football and Big 12 topics. But um, Chip, as was reported, uh, BJ Foster walked off the field mid-game against UTEP, but he returned to the team Sunday. As you reported, he was at the noon workouts there. Love it or leave it, this will be a distraction for Texas. Well, I think... There are two things here. I'm going, I'm going to leave this as a distraction. Let me tell you why. Because I was told as soon as B.J. Foster called his family to express how frustrated he was that he wasn't getting more playing time, they yelled at him and said, you knucklehead, get back on campus and you beg for forgiveness. Uh, Mama Foster was not happy from what I'm told. And so B.J. turned right around and was back apologetic, contrite, and said, you know, as Tom Herman stated on Monday, let his frustrations get the best of him. And so I, and we talked to Keandre Coburn and DeMarvian Overshawn today. I asked both of them about the, the decision of BJ and his coming back to the team. And they said, he's our brother. He's our family member. We bring him in and we, welcome him back and we all get frustrated. So I do not think this will be a distraction. And, and look, it's difficult when you come in as a freshman like BJ did and played so much and played well last year. I mean, he's got 14 starts. He's played in 22 games. And last year he had, you know, tried to play through injury. He had a terrible shoulder injury. He could hardly even tackle anybody against OU and he probably shouldn't have been on the field. Right. And I think his feeling is, look, I, I gave it all. Mm-hmm. I, I played hurt. I did everything I was supposed to do. And now I'm getting back healthy, strong, and I'm not getting on the field. And look, I don't, I'm not going to tell Chris Ash how to do his job. He coaches the safeties. And right. this is a guy who 
has obviously won a national championship as a defensive coordinator. I'm not going to tell Chris Ash how, how to do his job, but the thing is, as a teammate right now, and so much, so much of our conversations with players right now, you can tell. And Tom Herman, if you watched all access on, on the history, I mean, uh, LHN last week, you saw Tom Herman saying, you're playing for a Big 12 championship this year. And when you win it and you get your year up in the stadium immortalizing you, you're going to have come through more than any other team in the history of Texas football because you're doing it in a damn pandemic. Right. So they're all talking about it. They're all focused on a championship goal. And in that situation, man, you got to stick it out because there are going to be injuries. There are going to be opportunities. And you just got to gotta be there for your teammates. And so hopefully B.J. Foster learns a valuable lesson here. He's a talented guy. Hope he's back to full strength. And, and then, look, if Chris Brown goes down or Caden Stearns, Caden Stearns was injured last year too. Chris Brown broke his far, forearm last year. I mean, it's early, Taylor, and everybody's just got to do their part for their teammates right now because it sounds like they're, you know, they're coming together and they got a chance here. But I, I don't think it will be a distraction. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Chip, the last global pandemic that was declared a pandemic, Texas did win a Big 12 title in 2009 with H1N1 because that was that. declared a, p- a pandemic. As a hey, global hey, kids, oh. there's some tailgate trivia for you. Huh? <laughs> Take that the to your next tailgate. global pandemic, Texas won the Big 12 and played for a national championship. So maybe H1N1. Yeah, maybe the go. pandemic this is the pandemic horns or something, but no, I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this. And now I want to like preface this with, you know, I grew up with in a family of athletes. I grew up with a father who was a professional athlete. My oldest brother was a professional athlete and yeah, your dad one, is right there behind you scoring <laughs> the game winning run in uh, game four of uh, the 69 miracle Mets world championship. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, it quitting has never been an option for in our family. Um, if we ever started, you know, if we wanted to quit playing a sport, we quit before a season starts. You don't quit mid-season. If you start the season, you finish the season. I don't care. It was no ifs, ands, or buts. It was never even a topic of conversation because we knew that we would be in trouble if we even brought it up. So I have a, an issue with quitting on a team mid-game. However, there's been a lot of weird situations going on just in general. I mean, the the assistant coaches are the coaches that players usually are the closest with. They're the ones that are recruiting these players. They're the ones that are, they're in meetings with these players. Every meeting they're in there with the players. And Texas hasn't, you know, they have seven new assistants on the staff and almost an entirely different defensive staff on the side of the ball that BJ Foster is on. Now, this is not me saying there's an issue or anything like that. However, they just haven't had the opportunity to truly build those relationships yet with the team or with their um, coaches whether it be with Chris Ash or um, Jay Valai or anybody that's on the defensive staff, you know, it, because of just a weird situation, they didn't spend normal off season. They didn't have spring practice. They didn't have that. And so I am going to give BJ Foster a bit of a pass. It's never okay to quit on your team. Um, I don't think it's going to be a distraction. However, there is just a, a weird, you know, just following with 2020 in general, and then ha- adding the fact that there wasn't a whole off season to build face-to-face relationships with assistant coaches. I think that probably adds to a lot of the frustrations. I think that probably adds to the fact of how many Texas players have said they were going to quit or transfer and uh, ended up coming back to the team. So, you know, I don't, again, I'm not, I'm not condoning the act, but I think that we have to be a little bit 
more sensitive and more lenient when it comes to what's going on. These are young kids. I mean, I know that they're over 18, so they're technically adults. However, it doesn't mean, I mean, how many 21-year-olds really are well-equipped to make very logical choices, like they're emotional people. And so I think that I'm going to give them a pass. And I do think it helps that there is an off week this week so that it doesn't become a distraction. Because I think if there was a game this week, the headlines would be Texas player quits mid-game, house is going to impact Longhorn's chances in Big 12 play. You're not really seeing that. So I, I agree. I'm going to leave that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's Herman's the whisperer, man. He's the portal whisperer. Guys <laughs> go in. And they come back. Denzel Okafor, Juwan Mitchell, Anthony Cook, uh, B.J. Foster. So give him, give him credit. He's holding it together here in Mad Dog 2020. Yes, he is. All right, Chip. So my second, love it or leave it for you. Uh, Jordan Whittington uh, will have surgery on a partial meniscus tear suffered late in the second quarter against UTEP. Love it or leave it. Whittington will be back by the Oklahoma game. You know, I'm going to leave this because that would be the very, very, very front end of the the rehab return, and they have a bye week after the OU game. Um, So they're off this October 17th. They play OU on the 10th. My gut feeling is they will wait until they play Baylor October 24th to make sure that he's totally recovered from this surgery, and it's supposed to be pretty clean if you – have ever had meniscus repaired it's it's a much obviously a much uh, faster recovery than when you're talking about ACL MCL LCL mm-hmm. so i'm going to leave that he's back for OU and Texas fans need to hope that Jake Smith at that point is rocking and rolling um because those guys are big time playmakers and look we saw a glimpse of Jordan Whittington on the reverse mm-hmm. and Sam Ellinger downfield blocking for him getting down to the one yard line looked good this kid is a football player man can't wait to see him on the field and stay on the field because he had two catches in this game Taylor and he had two catches in the opener last year and we never saw him again so right. let's hope that this uh, recovery is truly three to four weeks and probably for just precaution and overly cautious, whatever, bring him back for the OU game or the uh, Baylor game on October 24th. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to, I'm going to leave this one as well. And for the same reason, you know, I think that there are at least at this point, enough bodies at receiver to fill, you know, to hopefully, I think, for Texas fans to step up and replace him. But there's no need to rush him back for that game if Jake Smith is healthy. Um, and just because of Jordan Whittington's injury history with him, you know, from basically leaving Quero High School up until now, he's he's been plagued a little bit. And so the, I think the worst thing that Texas could do is rush him back just so he's ready for OU, if there's any slight, even any tiny, tiny, tiny bit of doubt that he may not be fully healthy. Um, so I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to leave that one too, but it will, it will benefit if he's available. So if this recovery goes smoothly um, and quickly, and there isn't any doubt, I bet he would play, but you know, it's just, it's not worth the risk in the long term to rush him back for one game. 
if especially as you mentioned with them having a bye week after OU as well. So give them the time, right. you know, Jake Smith, get healthy. And I think they should be fine. Yeah. And we saw with the reverse, we saw a little bit of the multi-threat uh, role that Jordan Whittington can play. Remember, he lined up as a running back last year, trained as a running back all last year. They will be moving him around from his slot position into the backfield and carrying the ball. So he's a guy that you want to have for any kind of stretch run if Texas is in that position. Yes. And Tom Herman's, you know, talks about how he's a Swiss Army knife type of player. So um, let's just hope that he can get healthy because I want to see him too. Shoot. We watched what he did in the state championship at Cuero High School when, when didn't he finish the defensive and, and offensive yeah. MVP of that game? I mean, and he broke my man Eric Dickerson's uh, state championship rushing record with 329 yards rushing. Yeah, I mean, he's just an elite, talented player. He just needs to stay healthy. No um, all right, Chip. So let's shift the focus a little bit to Big 12 play here. After one game, you kind of touched on this. Tiny bit. After one game, ESPN's Football Power Index, the FPI, gives Texas a 51.7% chance of winning the Big 12. In doing so, Oklahoma dropped to a 25.4% chance to win the Big 12. Love it or leave it, FPI is putting too much into the Big 12's first week of games. Well, uh, you know, I'm picking Texas to win the Big 12, so I'm kind of with the ESPN Football Power Index, Taylor. And I've got Texas playing Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. So I'm okay with it. I get why the, the index, Texas played an FBS opponent. Oklahoma played an FCS opponent. And I'm sure this power index chokes on FCS opponents like a chicken bone. <laughs> so I get it. But look, October 10th, we're going to see who's got what. And Lincoln Riley was without some players due to COVID-19. He wouldn't say who they were. I, he told the other team, he said, and he told his school and the health agencies, but he's not going to be giving out names. And OU fans are probably sitting there looking to see who's, who's on the field, who isn't. But uh, this is interesting because OU is the five-time defending Big 12 champion and Texas is always back. So is this just overhype or do we really – are they looking at what I'm looking at, which is Sam Ellinger and this this defense and defensive front, defensive tackles. I think Texas has is, is got the best team that uh, Tom Herman certainly ever had, and I think it's their best team since 09. So – we shall see, but man, the OU fans are, oh, they're breaking stuff, Taylor. Yeah. So do you, so you are, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I know, it, right. I know FPI I'm jumping the gun. I don't care. Wait, the, the question FPI is putting too much into the oh. 12s first week. So you're leaving that, right? I'm leaving that. Okay. I'm, I'm with the, the power index. I, I like where they're going with this. So I'm going to leave that it's, it's getting ahead of itself. Okay. I'm going to love it. And now this is not, you know, me questioning what Texas could possibly do because we've talked over and over again how Texas should be in the Big 12 championship game. And if, uh, if they're not, then Texas fans need to really take a hard look at Tom Herman, I think, as the head coach. You know, that hot take right there. Now, I'm not saying he should be on the hot seat. Let me, let me preface that. It does not mean I think he should be fired or anything like that. However, I think you will see comment 
commentary next offseason if Texas doesn't achieve at least an appearance in the Big 12 championship. Um, so disappointment. Yeah. And so I but the other thing, too, is we haven't even seen Oklahoma State play yet. So that's another I mean, Oklahoma State was picked by the media covering the Big 12 conference to finish second behind Oklahoma. So I do think that the FPI is giving probably a, or putting a little bit too much into the Big 12's first you know, week of games, uh, especially since some of the teams were upset by teams that they were favored to beat. They're upset at home. You know, I Ooh. think that, yeah, <laughs> I think that, that that's probably the Sun Belt. Yes. The, the Sun, Sun Belt, Belt right? takeover. Yeah. <laughs> so I do think that they may be putting a little bit too much emphasis on those first games, but this works out for Texas fans. I mean, this is what they wanted. You know, Texas has probably been judged a little bit harshly entering this year just because it seems like every time that people do think Texas is back, quote unquote, they falter, you know, they fumble or fall flat in their face and, you it's know, a need, a, need a last second field goal to beat Kansas. But I digress. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I do think uh, that this is a positive, though, for Texas fans that there is some hope, at least from the football power index. That Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, Oklahoma State is a 22 and a half point favorite this week against Tulsa. Okay. And Baylor is a low. How about this? Baylor opened as a seven point favorite against Houston, Dana Holgerson's team. And look, Houston lost um, Dear King to Miami, but they have they have 16 starters back from last year's team and now the line is down to Baylor minus four and a half and I've got Baylor on upset alert in this game. I'm not sure Mac Rhodes, the athletic director at Baylor, who was the athletic director at Houston and his it's his relationships that enabled this game to get done. I'm not sure that Baylor's going to want this game uh, by the end of the weekend, but we'll see. I love Charlie Brewer. Don't want to doubt Charlie Brewer, but good God, nine starters lost from that championship defense. And I don't know. All new coaches too. Yeah. New coaches, Dave Aranda, Larry Fedora. We'll First see. First time head coach. Right. The college level too. Yep. That's, that's a hot take there. So you think, you think Baylor's upset by Houston? I, I mean, I can see it happening. And I said last week, Iowa state, Needed to watch out for Louisiana and whammo. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that leads us to our last. It does. Yes. So the Big 12 went four and three in the first week of games for the conference chip. Love it or leave it. The Big 12 should be worried. Well, this was going to be a top heavy year. Mm -hmm. And your top heavy is your your big four, in my opinion, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State and Iowa State and Iowa State. Look, K-State and Iowa State both are replacing almost their entire offensive lines, and it showed. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a concern. And it, it's not surprising, but good heavens, they've got to get something figured out. K-State uh, with Deuce Vaughn, the son of former Texas defensive backs coach Chris Vaughn. He's 5'5 and 158 pounds. So much fun to watch. Became the first true freshman to score in a season opener for K-State since 1988. But man, it was hard for him to find holes. He was like Barry Sanders, just running backwards, sideways, looking for a lane. And Iowa State, 
I mean, they were all over Brock Purdy. And even though Brees Hall, the running back, had some some nice running plays, once Iowa State fell behind 24-14, they abandoned the run. And, and Arkansas State, um, you know, gets after K-State and Louisiana gets after Iowa State. And to the point, Taylor, where, I mean, Louisiana's leading 24-14, and they go on a seven-minute drive to their final touchdown, and Matt Campbell doesn't call either of his two remaining timeouts to try to break up their momentum or give his defense a rest or something, and then Louisiana punches in a touchdown with 10 seconds left to make the final margin 31-14, to and now Matt Campbell is 5-11 and 11 in September football games at Iowa State and 2-6 and six the last two years. So he's got he's to get his team fired up. they got to yeah. get off to faster starts. I agree with that. I mean, Brock Purdy finished uh, 16 of 35 for 145 yards, uh, one interception, no touchdowns. You know, Brees Hall, I believe he finished with, um, was it 100 yards or 103 yards rushing? Most but- of it in the first half. Yeah, I mean, I just that that. So I, I'm going to. I guess I should. And they gave up huge plays. They gave up a kick return for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, and a 78 yard touchdown pass. That's that's terrible. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm going to leave this. I'm gonna say the Big 12 shouldn't necessarily be quote unquote worried right now. Um, I. I kind of expect a lot of sloppy play in the first few games of the season this year, just because of how weird the off season has been in college football. And I'm not just talking about the big 12. I'm talking about in general. I mean, SMU struggled against Texas state to open the season. You know, they have Shane Bouchelle. Mm-hmm. We've seen Shane Bouchelle come through in the clutch for teams. And he was, you know, they, he led them to 10 win season last year, but that was a sloppy game. And I right, just threw think two that- interceptions in that game. Yeah, and I just think that that's going to be something that we're probably going to see in the month of September in general from all teams. And I, I expect to see it when the SEC kicks off on, when are they, September 26th, I think, are the first, whatever yeah. their first games are. But um, just because of how weird this offseason is. I mean, there wasn't spring football. There, the A lot of teams didn't know if they were going to play or not, you know, and there's been hiccups that some teams have had to postpone or cancel practices and uh, because of COVID-19 and things like that. So I just think that the off-the-field um, issues that have happened this offseason are going to show up early on in games this year. But I don't think that you should sound the alarm too much if you're you know, following the Big 12 Conference. Because Just because Iowa State lost to Louisiana and just because Kansas State lost to Arkansas State, I don't think that either of them are bad teams personally. And I don't think, you know, I kind of thought it was a little coach speak hearing Tom Herman leading up to the UTEP game talking about how it's, uh, you know, a benefit that UTEP had a game under its belt and was able to kind of work off of film that they didn't, you know, where Texas didn't have that. At the time when he said that, I was kind of like, okay, like you're just kind of giving yourself leeway in case your team shows up and is a little sloppy. But I think he, I think he proved me wrong. I don't know if that was coach speak. I think that that is a legitimate thing especially this year with everything, all things considered, um, off the field, you know, concerns off the field, distractions with COVID and all of that. let Let me throw this at you. Okay. Arkansas state was minus 20 players, including nine starters because of COVID. So that, that stings for 
K-State because they're, they're a side of the ball that was, they only have two starters back on offense. One of them is quarterback Skylar Thompson. Right. But on defense, they have eight key guys back. That was where it was discouraging that they gave up that drive to the final touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown for Arkansas State. And it went to the same receiver every time, Jonathan Adams. So K-State, that's where my disappointment is with them. With Iowa State, they got to get the offensive line fixed. With Texas Tech, listen to this. So Jareth Stearns, Caden's twin brother, had 12 catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. And his little brother, Josh, a freshman at Houston Baptist, had five catches for 209 yards and three touchdowns. As uh, Bailey Zappi, the quarterback for Houston Baptist, threw it for 572 yards against the Texas Tech defense. And now we know why Matt Wells was desperate to get Todd Orlando onto his defensive staff. Now Orlando's getting paid to do nothing in at USC, but Matt Wells has problems on defense. He lost his big tackle, Broderick Washington. He lost the first round draft pick, Jordan Brooks, who's now a Seattle Seahawk. And they lost Douglas Coleman, who led the big 12 with eight interceptions last year. That's the middle of their defense gone. And Matt Wells has got to get this thing figured out because here comes Sam Ellinger. And last but not least, Taylor, West Virginia looked good. I want to give them credit. They, they whipped up on Eastern Kentucky. But the leading tackler in that game was Tony Fields, the kid that Texas tried to get from Arizona. He's a weak side linebacker. That's where they were looking to bring in a grad transfer, not at middle linebacker where Brendan Schooler's brother, Colin, who's now at Texas Tech, and they need him on the field. They didn't even play him against Houston Baptist. Right. Um, but he will be on the field for Texas on September 26th. So we'll have some schooler on schooler crime <laughs> in that game, Taylor. Yeah. Well, listen, great stuff uh, today, I think, you know, and we'd sure love it if you went over to iTunes and gave us a five-star rating and a nice review. Um, but uh, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Flagship Podcast. Until next week, stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.